I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. Number one, did you ever commit a serious crime? Yes. I blew up a guy's speedboat after he sued me. And I stole an old lady's fake leg once on a dare. Is it just me? Or am I acing this test? And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, and joining me, no one. It's just me. It's just me. Isaac is away visiting family. We're gonna hang out. Today we're gonna talk about the finals. The finals are tonight, game five. Lakers could clinch. The Heat could extend the series to sixth game. They could do that. Uh, so we're going to talk about the finals a little bit, what it could mean for both sides. And then I want to get into some Mavs stats. We'll use the second and third segment to talk about some Mavs stats from this past year. Some playoffs, some regular season. I just want to look at some stats that show you know, good things that happened to the Mavericks and some things that could change. So I'm calling these some good, some change stats. So we're, we're coming up with, with some stats there. So we'll talk about that. But let's get into... The NBA Finals. I am so interested to see what is going to happen. I, I think that the Lakers are going to come out and be, you know, ready to go, right? It just seems like it's time to end it. LeBron is right there. He's right there to get his fourth. You know, he's he can smell the wa- blood in the water, basically. But you never know with games like this, especially with this Lakers team. I've watched so much of this Lakers team, and... They give up games they just should not, right? They have no business where they kind of get overconfident. They get to kind of feeling themselves, and then they come out really stiff, right? They come out, and their three-point shooters aren't hitting. KCP's not hitting. Danny Green hasn't been hitting. You know, Caruso doesn't hit. Uh, LeBron is not attacking or aggressive. AD gets in foul trouble or something like that, right? It just seems like whenever the Lakers are supposed to take games, they don't really, uh, but they've made it to this point, so you got to give them credit there. What I think this means for both sides, though, I think is interesting. So for LeBron, I I think everyone's going to be talking about... I'm I'm rolling my eyes already just thinking about how many people are going to talk about LeBron and how many people are going to say, what does this mean for his legacy? What does this mean? But here's just a couple of thoughts. Fourth title, potentially, probably, maybe fourth finals MVP. I think he probably gets it. I just think that the voters will just, you know, go for LeBron. Unless game five, unless they win in game five and Anthony Davis dominates, then he might be able to change the tide. But I feel like the narrative wave, the, you know, whatever you want to call it, is in LeBron's favor. Four finals MVPs. I wanted to look this up. This is not a, as widely known of a stat, I feel like. We all know about the titles and how many titles each of them has and which stars have the most titles, but finals MVP. How many, how many do you think have multiple finals MVP? Not many. There's like 10. There's like 10 players with multiple finals MVPs. And how many with three? Currently, four. That's it. Four with three finals MVPs. Uh, Jordan has, or no, there's, there's five right now. Jordan has six. That one counts, obviously. Magic, Shaq, Duncan, and LeBron. Those are the four with three finals MVPs. Those are the only ones. Magic, Shaq, Duncan, and LeBron. Those are the second most all-time right now. Jordan has six, obviously. So if LeBron gets his fourth finals MVP, he's the the second most finals MVPs in history, which is wild. They didn't give the the award out for a while, though. So uh, you can't hold guys like Bill Russell and, you know, guys like that 
uh, because they didn't really give this award. It's named after Bill Russell. So <laughs> he would he would have got, I don't know, 12, 11, however many he got. So, but I thought that, that was interesting. Four finals MVPs. Magic has three. Shaq has three. Duncan has three. Jordan has six. LeBron has three right now. And so that would get him, that would make him second all time. I think that's pretty significant. I still don't think that this changes whether he's the greatest player of all time. We've said this over and over again, so I'm not going to get into it. For Anthony Davis, I think it is kind of interesting because it proves that Anthony Davis is a great player, right? You, you kind of go from you know one level to another. Kobe, when he won those three with Shaq, I mean, he was just pretty much a nobody, and then he goes to this you know great all-time player all of a sudden. I think that's a big deal. I think that is a huge proving ground, obviously, and it's the reason why Guy's career explodes. However, for Anthony Davis, he went, they win the finals. Say he wins finals MVP or not. He's about two years away from the he can't win without LeBron conversation, which is, you know, we can look ahead that far, but he all of a sudden has this, you know, he didn't do it by himself. He can't do it without LeBron. And he's about to have that, which is kind of what Kobe went through, right? This, there's some similarities to that relationship. At least they get a long way better than, than Kobe and Shaq did. But there's some similarities to that. He can't do it without you know, LeBron, I feel like that's going to be a thing in about two years. I'll give him two years, I think. I think next season and then the season after that, if they, uh, depending on what LeBron does, but he's a, he's close to that. For Jimmy Butler, I think this is, no matter what happens, validation. Complete, straight up, utter validation for Jimmy Butler as a player. He has changed so many people's mindsets about him. I just think that his narrative and his whole story and journey has been so fascinating. I was trying to explain it to my dad the other day, who's like a casual NBA fan. And so I was trying to explain that, you know, Jimmy Butler's this guy. He was drafted 30th overall, last pick in the first round. He goes to Chicago, which was not a very good team at the time. And then they kind of became a better team. And then he became like an all-star. He just worked his way and worked his way up to becoming an all-star. And then when Chicago wasn't winning... He kind of forced his way out of Chicago. Then he goes to Minnesota. He realizes those star players aren't necessarily going to help him win. So he forces his way out of there. And then does the exact same thing in Philadelphia. And then is in Miami, where he seems to have found his place, found his his place in the universe, basically. And they go and win a finals game where he has one of the most incredible finals games in NBA history, I think, with his 40-point triple-double. Just Not many people do it. I mean, it's just doesn't happen it's happened three times Jimmy Butler LeBron James Jerry West only three times it's ever happened complete validation for Jimmy Butler you can put a number on it I guess as he moved to you know 10 10th best player in the NBA or whatever there's just so many guys you could you could throw up there but complete validation for him as a player as one of the great players in the NBA uh, other players I, I don't think it does a whole lot for I guess Frank Vogel gets some validation I guess Eric Spolstra he took another team that wasn't you know, uh, the big three or LeBron or Wade. I think that that gives him a little bit of credibility as well. But I don't think this, I don't think this finals does a whole lot for anybody else. Dwight Howard and, and Rajon Rondo, as much as we don't like Rajon Rondo as Mavs fans, it validates his career a little bit. The playoff Rondo is kind of a little bit more of a, of a, it's not a fluke, right? He's just playing really well right now. And we didn't expect that Lakers fans hated him all year and he came out big. He's been one of their best players validates KCP. He has been a guy that has been much maligned. He had that remember he had that huge contract the first time he went to LA and we were like, "Oh god, look at this they're signing this clutch guy to a way bigger contract than he needs to be and now he's like their third best player." For Kuzma, I think George Sedano had an interesting point on Lockdown Lakers. He was a guest and he said that for Kuzma, 
he still kind of views himself as a star. And so how long is Kuzma going to be able to stay in L.A.? if AD and LeBron are the two stars and he's not going to be able to chuck up like 15 shots a game like he wants, is he going to be able to, how long is he going to be able to, to hold on to this role? It's probably not as interesting to everybody else as it is to me, but I think that's interesting. So that's the rest of it. I think for Miami's guys, Goran Dragic is going to be one of the big what ifs in NBA history. Bam Adebayo has been validated just to get to the finals. I think he's moved up in the upper echelon. So there you go. That's the finals. We'll find out who wins. Coming up, let's get into some Maverick stats. Good stats for the Mavericks and stats that need to change next year. We'll get into both of those two things coming up. But before we do that, let me tell you about Built Go. It's Built Bar's new incredible product. Built Go helps you get through your mental or physical wall in easy one and a half ounce packages. It is basically a Built Bar in peanut butter consistency, and you can just take it with you. Fits easily into your pocket. It's not gonna melt. You don't have to worry about it melting like a Built. You know, Built Bar's covered in chocolate. You can just take these Built Goes with you wherever you want, no matter what the temperature is. Go outside on the on the go workout gel. It's the best workout gel on the market right now. It has the same kind of five energy feeling without the same crash. It also has protein in it as well. It comes in three delicious flavors: peanut butter, honey, coconut, chocolate, and chocolate mint. Go ahead and go get your Built Goes right now. Go just try them out. If you work out or if you just need something that maybe is like a five-hour energy but a little bit more that adds that protein as well, use the promo code LOCKED at BuiltGo.com. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Built Go, let's go. All right, everybody, let's get into some Maverick stats. But before we do that, real quick, I just want to mention, this is not a full ad read, so don't skip or anything. Right now, Built Bar has a strawberry flavor, a limited release strawberry flavor, and it's really, really good. You'll also get 12% off your order through October 12th. So if you're listening to this, go ahead and go to Built Bar. Maybe try them for the first time, or if you want to reorder, try that strawberry one, 12%. They're partnering with some breast cancer awareness organizations. You'll get 12% off. They'll match donations up to $50 as well. And uh, they have a breast cancer awareness hoodie as well that they will 100% of the proceeds from that will go to breast cancer awareness. So thought that was pretty interesting if you guys wanted to get into that. All right, let's get into some stats, 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 stats. All right, stats that were good for the Mavericks and stats that need to change for the Mavericks. A good one. This is one that seems kind of obvious, but I don't know if we mentioned it enough. Luca's counting stats are just absolutely wild that he is just controlling this much of the Mavericks team, this much of what the Mavericks are doing, and that the Mavericks were as good as they were. 28.8 points a game, 9.4 rebounds per game, 8.8 assists per game. Only three players, <laughs> only three players in the history of the NBA have averaged 28, 9, and 8. 28 points, 9 boards, and 8 assists for a season. Westbrook did it once that year. He had the triple double and he uh, won the MVP. Oscar Robertson did it five times. Luka Doncic did it one time. He also did it in 33.6 minutes per game, which is by far the lowest. Uh, I think Oscar was always in the 40 minutes per game area. Westbrook actually, I think, was in 34, 35. I'll have to look it up again. But uh, Westbrook was had you know played more than Luka did as well, which was. Absolutely wild <laughs> just to see that stat. That's a very good stat, I think. I don't, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I think Luca will continue to put up those stats. So imagine if he just keeps doing that over and over and over again, right? And all of a sudden, Luca's name shows up on that list as much as Oscar's name shows up. That's absolutely wild. If they get a third star, some of those will probably change. But hopefully the assists will go up still. Uh, and let's move on to another good stat. 
Good stat. Porzingis, 27.1 points per game per 36 minutes in the playoffs. Huge stat. Huge. I think we really should mention this because since there's such a small sample size of games, right? Porzingis only got to play in a couple of those playoff games. He didn't really get to play, you know, full minutes. He was hampered with injury. He was, you know, had that foul trouble. And so he didn't get to play a lot. But 27.1 points per game, if you're doing per 36 minutes, that means that extended out to a longer period of time, which we all believe that he could do, almost 30 points a game. I mean, that's huge for Porzingis. So a lot of times we talk about these second stars and, oh, if they could bring in a third star, if they could bring in another guy. Not necessarily, I don't know if I want that guy to be like, a 30 point per game score like Beal, you know, or something like that. So I don't know. It just, it made me think because Porzingis has proven that he can be that secondary scorer, that secondary option in the best offense in NBA history. So maybe we want to rethink the type of player to bring in. Cause if you just bring in a guy that only scores, right? If let's just use Beal as an example, if you bring in Beal, does Porzingis become the third option? Does he become two point? A, two-point B, you know what I mean? They decide to do that. Uh, so, I don't know. It's, it's going pretty well with what the Mavericks have. I think they need to address the defensive side for sure more than the offensive side. We've gone over that. I think a couple pods ago I talked about how an NBA team has to be top 10, top 12 in defense to order to be viable for an NBA Finals or to win a title. So, I think that's the side of the ball they need to focus on a little bit more. But, that's just one point in it. So that was a good stat, obviously. Porzingis is scoring. He proved it in the regular season, proved it in the playoffs as well. One point I think that needs to change, a stat that needs to change for Porzingis. During the regular season, Porzingis averaged 1.8 assists per game. As you know, a big guy, Luca had the ball a ton, obviously. We know that, but you have to he has to become a better playmaker. And it's not just assists, obviously. I think that you know assists aren't the only metric the only measurement for stats for for passing but I just wanted to use that one for Porzingis because it kind of stands out and it's one of the most obvious ones so you look at some of the other players in the uh, NBA that are similar like build of Porzingis right Um, Jokic seven assists per game obviously he's an outlier he's you know completely different kind of just cross him out right (laughs) just completely different Uh, Embiid Three assists per game. He also had three turnovers per game. You don't want him to. Do, you don't want Porzingis to do that. Sabonis so five assists per game. Nurkic four assists a game. Towns four assists per game. Anthony Davis playing with a high volume ball handler, like lead ball handler in LeBron James, three point two assists per game. So double what Porzingis is doing. Vucevic three point six assists per game. Marcus Saul three point three assists per game. I think it, it's they're small numbers, right? Three, four, two, one, but. What it means is when Porzingis is scoring on a level that he can, if he's a 30-point-per-game scorer in the playoffs, right, then he's going to get some doubles. And to get these doubles, he's going to have to kick out of it. He's going to have to pass out of it. He's going to have to, you know, when he has, you know, a double off of, you know, a pick and roll, he's rolling off and another defender comes over and hedges and decides to, you know, stay where they are instead of going back to their defender or go back to their man, Porzingis is going to have to make that read. And I think he has to make that read more to help this Mavericks team become more viable when you're playing against defenses like the Clippers, right? Where they have long defenders that get into passing lanes and that they can body up guys and they can send multiple guys and they're disciplined enough that individual defenders are disciplined enough that they can go back to their guys. They can come and help and then they can, you know, recover back to their men in order to, um, you know, stop a three point shot or a kick out. So it's better passes because sometimes Porzingis does kick out 
and the pass isn't on point. And when it's not on point, then the shooter has to recover. They have to adjust. And then when they have to adjust, that's what gives the defense enough time to recover out to that guy. So that's a stat I think that needs to change for Porzingis. A good stat. Hugely good stat. Huge, 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 huge that I want to talk about. Tim Hardaway Jr., 39.8% from three. He was seven, by far the highest in his career. Like, by far. It's so wild to look at uh, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s three-point shooting stats. And you hope it's not an outlier. That's one of the things I'm kind of nervous about. But if it becomes the rule, then you have a great player in Tim Hardaway Jr. His highest by far. The last two years combined. So, including his stint with Dallas when he was first traded and the New York time. 32.9% from three in 7.3 attempts per game those last two years. And now he's up to 39.8 this past season. Absolutely incredible. He's seventh in the NBA uh, you know, among the NBA players that took a minimum of seven three-point attempts per game. And that's not a short list. That's a pretty long list. He's up there with some of the best guys in the NBA at shooting you know, volume threes. There's not a ton that takes seven a game. And he was up there seventh in, uh, you know, three-point percentage. So that's absolutely awesome. Again, more that, you know, more good stats. Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba, they both shot 37% from three, both of them career highs. Dorian, like, for <laughs> Dorian's entire career, we've been just saying, if only he could add the shot, if only he could add the shot. Well, dang it, he added it. I mean, he absolutely added it. 37.6% from three, career high this past season in the regular season. The years before that, you have to remember how far how far gone he was from his shot. 31%. 29.9% the year before that. 29.3% the year before that, his rookie year. I mean, he went from 29, 29, 31, 37.6. That's huge in, in percentage-wise. So Dorian Finney-Smith, absolutely awesome. Maxi Kleba took more incremental jumps forward. His rookie year is 31%, 35% last year, and now 37.3%. So he kind of took steps up. Whereas Dorian just took like baby steps and then one huge step forward. Those are absolutely wild stats from those guys. And they have to stay. They have to remain. Those are great stats, but they have to stay. They have to keep doing it. Coming up, I want to get into a stat from Luca that has to change. A couple other stats that have to, have to change for the Mavericks going forward if they want to take the next step, take the next step in the playoffs and become a title contending team. We'll talk about that coming up. All right, a stat that needs to change. We're going over good stats and stats that need to change for the Mavericks. A good stat was the three-point percentages of Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Maxey. The stat that needs to change, Luka Doncic, 31.6% from three in the regular season this past year, down from 32.7% his rookie year. So that's one way he took a little bit of a step back. Luka has to become a better three-point shooter. At least get to like 35, right? Just at least get to around that area. And so I started looking through some of his three-point shots and his stats. If you go by the shot clock, right? Early in the shot clock, with about 18 or 22 seconds left in the shot clock, Luka shoots 27.9%. So those early shot clock you know, attempts that he takes are not good. Those are not positive threes. Later in the shot clock... Which, are, which is usually not the case, right? I don't know if you guys have listened to Doris Burke on the broadcast. It seems like every single broadcast she says, statistically, it's a better percentage shot earlier in the shot clock. I think that's because there's some there's some cloudiness in there because some of that is transition buckets, right? You get a, a steal and all of a sudden you're there within like two seconds of the shot clock changing. But later in the shot clock, Luca has been better. 
Uh, 15 to 18 seconds, 33.6%. That's higher than his average. Then with 7 to 15 seconds left in the shot clock, let the play develop a little bit. 36%. Huge. That's a huge lead. That's right where you want him. And then with 4 to 7 seconds left in the shot clock, 35.9%. The you know attempts are a little bit... They're, they're up and down, some of these attempts. But with 0 to 4 seconds left in the shot clock, Luka is 4 of 58 this past season. That's 6.9%. 4 of 58. That's a huge That's a huge one. He's basically throwing up these end of shot clock threes that are basically just a prayer that they need. The Mavericks needed Luka to bail them out in some way. And so he just chucked up a three like 58 times. Take all those out and Luka shot 34.5%. So if you take out all the ones where it's late in the shot clock, all 58 of those attempts, he shot 34.5% on the season. That's that's closer to where we want him, right? We go from 31.6 to 34.5%. That's right where you want him. We were just saying, man, at least shoot 35%, right? Well, there he is. He's right there. So that's one area I think he really has to clean up. And I think if the Mavericks overall get better, Porzingis passes better, all those other things, then Luka could clean those up as well. And so Luka's a good three-point shooter. We know that. He can shoot the three. His percentage is just not there because he takes some of these bailout shots and things like that. So that's one that really stuck out to me. Another good stat for Luca. Holy cow, this one's wild. 1.04 points per possession in the pick and roll as a ball handler. Second in the entire NBA to Damian Lillard uh, with a minimum of 10 possessions. Not a ton of players took 10 possessions per game as a pick and roll ball handler, but Luca second in the entire NBA to Lillard. To Lillard, who's like, you know, people say he's the best point guard in the NBA right now. Absolutely crazy. Great stat from Luca. He continues to score. That that's scoring himself, not necessarily scoring out of it with, you know, kicking to a, you know, a roller or kicking out to a shooter or whatever. Stat that needs to change for Luca, I think. In the regular season. Actually, this is a good one and it it connects to the one that needs to change. Luca, 1.02 points per possession in isolation attempts in the regular season. That's third in the NBA behind Harden and Lillard. Harden is like way up there. Luca, I think, attempts like four a game, and Harden is like at 12 a game. And, the, and those are the top three, him and Lillard. <laughs> it's absolutely wild how many isolation attempts Harden takes per game. In the playoffs, though, that number in isolation attempts, so remember, 1.02 points per possession in isolation in the regular season. In the playoffs, that number from 1.02 goes down to point zero or 0.92. So that goes down 10 points, basically. Luka uh, was way less e- efficient in the in the playoffs, in isolation attempts, which makes sense. He's going up against Kawhi, Paul George. You know, he's going up against those guys that are able to come and double him and all that kind of stuff. But, and it is a small sample size, but he was 10th out of 16 players in the, re- in the playoffs with a minimum of four possessions per game in points per possession. So, that is a number that needs to change. If he can get that number back up to where it was in the regular season, maybe we're talking about a different outcome in the Clippers series. Uh, that's one that really stuck out to me. A couple others here. Really good stat from Luka. 22.8 uh, assist points created. So Luka creates a ton of points off of his assist. 22.8 per game. In the playoffs, that was 22.0, even though the Clippers kept trying to take away the pass and take away his ability to play make and still created just about the same number of points. Thing that needs to change, though, in the regular season, Luka, 16.5 potential assists, 8.8 assists per game. It's not completely off of what a normal, you know, potential assist next to assists per game number looks like, but that basically means Dallas is missing 46.6% 
of the shots off Luca's potential assists, right? So Luca passes to a player. Let's say he passes to Seth twice. He passes to Seth twice, misses one, makes the other. It's 50%. We're saying 46.6% of those passes are the shots are not going in. Compared to some of the other players in the NBA, Jokic was by far the, the lowest percentage here. Denver is missing only 36.9% of Jokic's potential assists. That number is wild. That's way lower than all these other players, which is absolutely crazy. So either that means that Jokic is putting players in better positions or his team is just making better shots out of that or just making shots out of it. Lowry was at 42%. Lillard at 44%. LeBron at 44.5%. Luke was at 46.6%, by the way. Uh, Trey Young was right there with him, 46%. So just about the same for Trey Young. So... Uh, take that number <laughs> as you will. Giannis was at 51%. So the Bucks are missing 51.3% of the shots off of his potential assists. Uh, and Westbrook was the highest, by the way, at 54.8%. That number is nuts. Compare that to Jokic's, uh, which, you know, the Rockets are taking a ton of threes off of those shots. And so those are going to be lower percentage anyway. But the Mavericks have to make a couple more shots a game off of Luka's assist. Give them a couple more assists per game. Make the offense a little bit more efficient. And there's still ways that they can get better, which is just wild to me that they can get better. So there you go. There's some good, bad stats. Uh, let's finish on this. An Apple Podcast question. Leave a five-star Apple Podcast review in Apple Podcasts with a question. We'll answer it. This is from Zaman314125. The number is probably important to him. Uh, he talks about how great we are, Nick and Isaac, blah, blah, blah. He says, what do you guys think of this offseason? Number one, this is all together. This is not options. This is He wants to do all this. Number one, trade both picks and Tim Hardaway Jr. for Oladipo. Okay. S- number two, sign and trade DeLon Wright and, J- and Justin Jackson for Ibaka. Now you're signing and trading Ibaka. You're not having to sign and trade um, DeLon Wright and Justin Jackson, but sign and trade Ibaka for DeLon Wright and Justin Jackson. Okay. Resign Trey Burke to a one-year mid-level exception, and then there could be other players involved in trades. But what do you think about that? So basically, the Mavericks are sending out both picks in the draft, Tim Hardaway Jr., DeLon Wright, and Justin Jackson for Oladipo, Ibaka, and then getting Trey Burke back in free agency. I like the idea. My question is, what are you doing with Ibaka? And how are you able to... Uh, I don't know if it matches up perfectly with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Oladipo. I think you have to add something else to that with their salaries. And then whatever you're signing Abaka to, he's ma- he made $23 million last year. He's an unrestricted free agent this year. Will it line up perfectly with DeLon Wright, Justin Jackson? Could you do a three-team type deal in this? And if you did that, then maybe it would work out better. But I'm interested to see if Abaka would want a multi-year deal. Then you're taking away money from the 2021 free agency pool. And you don't really want to do that. But the players by themselves, you get Oladipo, Ibaka, Burke. Uh, You're thinking maybe if JJ goes, then all of a sudden your point guards are uh, Burke, Brunson, Luka, Curry. Because DeLon Wright's gone. JJ's gone. Uh, Your wings, you have Oladipo. Tim Hardaway is gone. So you replace him with Oladipo. Uh, You still have Curry. You still have Dorian. You know, you still have Luka, I guess, is one of your guards. And then Ibaka is one of your bigs. So you have a lot of guys in your front court, actually, with that if you're not getting rid of any of those. So I kind of like that offseason. I I would be good with that if, you know, if they're not going to mess up too much with that 2021 space. Getting rid of, or not getting rid of, but trading DeLon Wright removes $9 million of that, you know, money from 2021. So that would offset some of the Ibaka money, but if he decides to sign for multiple years. So not a bad, 
Not a bad offseason there, I don't think. I think that would definitely make the Mavericks better in the short term. But what are you doing in the long term? That's my question. There you go, guys. I hope you appreciate it on a Friday. Enjoy your Friday. Hopefully, you enjoy watching the finals. If not, uh, hate watch it like Isaac is going to do probably. But, guys, we'll be back on Monday. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Did you ever have a personalized license plate? Yeah, dog. I love butts.